Good evening. Good evening. Uh, isn't the, the guitar player very beautiful? I mean, she's very beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> this evening, I wanted to look in Acts, Acts chapter 20. And while you're turning there, this doesn't really have anything to do with what I wanted to talk about tonight, but... You know, after the rains in Southern California, it's always nice to sort of look out into the distance and see some clarity. And you see, you can actually see some things out there. And um, as I, I'm driving from Riverside, so as I'm driving down a hill, you sort of see uh, just after the rain, just, I mean, it was gorgeous, just the lights sort of beaming through the clouds and you, um, there's actually a hole on the side of the cloud, so you see a, a beam shooting through the side. And it was just, and then you see the, I saw the birds, a flock of birds flying, a helicopter flying, a plane taking off. It was just uh, a gorgeous drive on the, was, I don't know, it was exciting for me on my way over here. So, um, but it, yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with uh, what I'm going to be speaking on tonight. Um, Acts chapter 20, and I just wanted to look at a map of um, of Paul's travels. And so this is, uh, Paul, we're going to be looking at Paul's third journey. And his, this is going to be his third missionary journey. And he, he starts off in Antioch right here, and he goes, and if you follow the arrow, which is the oh, yellowish, orangish line, and here he goes, and then the I don't know what color that is, uh, pink or purple. Um, you follow that line, and that's his, his way back. And so we're going to be catching up with Paul right here in Miletus. And so I just wanted to give you a visual of where Paul is at exactly, because one of the things that I was able to talk about with uh, a couple of my coworkers is that when you go, when you look at the Word of God and you read about these places, they're actual locations that you can go to today. You know, and that's evidence for the Word of God, that there's other writings, other holy writings um, that mention places that they don't exist. But the Word of God, you can go to all the places that are mentioned um, on earth um, that is, you, you read about. So in Acts chapter 20, and before I begin, I just wanted to pray and ask the Lord uh, for a blessing on this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this evening. Thank you that you are a God who is good. You are a God who is faithful. And we see in your creation just the beauty of how intricately and uniquely you've created all things. And um, Father, we know that as sin came into the world, um, just the, the evil and the destruction and all these things that we attribute to sin um, death, uh, mainly. Just We think about that and how it ruined your beautiful, good creation. But as we look into your word tonight, we just ask that uh, we can glean from your word and you would show us from your word uh, some things, some truths that you would have us to take hold of. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 20, and in... As we look at Paul's third missionary journey, he's going to be traveling. He travels through what is uh, 
it, it, in scripture it's called Asia, but modern day it's called Turkey, this area right here. And this area right here is modern day Turkey, and then he actually hits uh, quite a number of cities in Greece. We pick up, and right before we pick up, there's a story about a young man, and uh, Paul is in Ephesus, or Miletus at this point, and uh, what happens is there's a, a, a young man in, named Eutychus, and Eutychus, this is in Ephesus actually, not in Miletus, Eutychus, he falls asleep during the, the breaking of bread on the first day of the week falls out, and maybe some of you know the story, but he falls out of the second story and he dies. And uh, Paul, the reason why is because Paul has gone kind of long, and it's midnight by this time, and that's why this young man lost consciousness and f fell out of the window, and uh, Paul uh, prays over him, and this young man uh, comes back to life. And he continues on, and we pick up in Miletus, and in verse 17, uh, 17 of Acts chapter 20, it says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Before I continue on, I just wanted to make sure that we all know that Paul is calling the elders of the church, and the context of this passage is directed towards elders. But I believe that we can, as believers, take and hold on to some of the truths and applications in the Word of God here. So that's why, um, as we go through this, I want everyone to be clear, this is, in contest, addressed to elders. Verse 18, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on, God, be on guard excuse me, for yourselves and for all the flock among which the whole Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day, for a period of three years, 
I did not cease to admonish, admonish each one with tears, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Picking up in verse 17, where Paul calls, instead of going and stopping in Ephesus, he feels that if he stops in Miletus, it'll be a faster trip for him because he's, he's in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. He calls the Ephesian elders, and there must have been, and if you read on in, towards the end of the ch chapter 20 of Acts, you see that they have a very close relationship. And so when Paul calls these elders, the elders, they come. And one thing is it seems that the elders that come, they're obviously recognized by the assembly in Ephesus. And they, they come. And in verse 18, And when they had come to him, and he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how was, I was with you the whole time. Now, Paul, when he says, I was with you the whole time, it seems to me that the idea is that these elders were able to observe Paul's lifestyle, the things that Paul did. I mean, probably the way that he ate, everything. And so they knew exactly what Paul was all about. They knew that Paul's character, and when, when he's speaking to them, he's going to be speaking to these elders very bluntly. He's, he's going to be speaking to them very openly and candidly. And so it seems that with that being said, in verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials. I mean, going back, we had a message a few weeks ago by our brother Ricky. And he mentioned that when you say about yourself that you're humble, you, you're not humble anymore, right? That's what, that's what our brother Ricky said. And so based on that, you know, here Paul, when he says, you know, I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility, he's, he's saying about himself, I was humble. You know, it's almost like, I mean, based on that, shame on you, Paul, because you're calling yourself humble. You just lost your humble card, right? Because he called himself humble. But I think that going back and understanding the relationship that these Ephesian elders had with Paul, he was able to say in this manner, you know, not with, he's not saying this out of conceit, he's not trying to be cocky, but he's saying, you saw it. You saw the way in which I served you. You, you saw the way I lived. And with humility and with tears. You know, when you're, when you're shedding tears, there's, it's an emotion that, I mean, it's a pretty strong emotion. Usually men don't like to shed tears, right? It's, you know, you kind of, especially, you know, and I, I think more so back in the day, it was more something that, you know, if you're a man, you don't shed a tear. And I, I even watched a, a movie recently where, you know, a, a, a dad was telling his son, you know, men don't cry, right? But here, Paul, he's shedding a tear, and obviously, obviously the, the emotions that he has inside of him, what's going on, he cares for these men very tenderly. He cares for what's going on. 
And it reminds me of, some of you may know, Brother Scott DeGroff, and he's someone that we should be lifting up in prayer right now because he just got diagnosed uh, with uh, an illness where he just, it, it saps the energy out of him. He really, I think as of right now, he has maybe 30% of the energy uh, which, which he normally has. And so he's a brother that uh, needs prayer. But one of the things that, that I noticed about him when I first heard him speak is the, the emotion that he had. I mean, you could just tell how much he cared for the word of God, how much he cared for God's people. And I mean, he was in tears oftentimes as he was speaking. And that's how I, I imagine Paul was like when he was with these, the Ephesian elders. And with, I mean, many of them, because oftentimes he talks about how he was shedding tears for the, the saints, for the people, for the church, for the assembly. And with trials, the third thing that he mentioned, when you care, or, uh, you know, in Acts chapter, you don't have to turn with here, but in Acts chapter 9, verse 23 to 25, it mentions that in Damascus, when Paul was there, the Jews plotted against Paul right after Paul was converted, right after he was persecuting the people of God, right after he was persecuting and mar he, was, he was killing these people who were following the way. And Right after that, right after his conversion, and you can read about his conversion in Acts chapter 9. Right after that, the Jews, realizing and hearing about what Paul is doing, right away, they're, they're coming after him. They plot, we want to get rid of this guy. Um, and he, uh, through the help of some friends, uh, gets lowered through the wall of that city, and he gets away. And that's one of the trials he went through. Another trial is in Acts chapter 14, verse 19 in Lystra, Paul was stoned and dragged out of the city. I mean, talk about trial. Imagine, I mean, being stoned. And in those days, being stoned, it's not being stoned by pebbles or small rocks. I mean, these are big stones. And he got stoned and dragged out of the, out of the city. And, I mean, he could rightly say, you know, the trials that he, he went through. I mean, and in verse 19, the trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. And it, it, it doesn't end here. It continues on. In Acts chapter 16, that trial, he gets struck with many blows, and he's thrown into prison, and his feet are locked into stocks. The Word of God, as you read, especially in the New Testament, you read about persecution and how as followers of God, you can expect persecution. You can expect that people will dislike the name of Jesus. It talks about how the world hated our Lord, and he will also, they will also hate us. I think about the trage tragedy of the Oregon shooting recently, or a few days ago. And it, I mean, you, I was listening, listening to some of the interviews and reading some of the articles of what happened. And this guy came in and asked, if you're a Christian, stand up. And those that stand up, he shot and killed. And I just want to say this, dearly beloved, that 
That happened one state away from us. One state away from us. Oregon is just above California. It could, it could happen anywhere. And to think that, you know, I was thinking about recently about that, that fact that if I were confronted by someone who was after Christians, and they asked, if you're a Christian, will you, are you going to stand up in, in the face of death? Could I do that? It was, a, it was a very sobering thought to think if, I had, if that came up, am I going to be able to stand up and say, yes, I am a Christian. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. The title of my message, actually, I should have told you in the beginning, is I did not shrink. And in verse 20, it says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house. Well, what was, what was profitable that Paul was declaring to them? He was declaring to them anything that was profitable. Well, I'm sure it was the whole counsel of God, but mainly, most importantly, we see over and over, time and time again, Paul mentions, even in this passage, the gospel of God. And Paul emphasizes the gospel, and I heard that this morning that the gospel was given. And in, if you read on in verse 21, and before I do that, uh, teaching you publicly in Acts chapter 19, it shows Paul teaching publicly. And from house to house, in Acts chapter 20, verse 7 through 20, it, it shows Paul teaching people in the houses. And so it's something that Paul regularly did. He was in the synagogues. He was teaching in public. He was proclaiming the gospel in public. He was going from house to house. One thing that I wanted to ask is this. Are we living our lives? And can we say what Paul is saying? How he did not shrink. He did not shrink from declaring what was profitable to these elders. And I think that's something that, even though he's addressing the elders, we can take for ourselves. Is, is our communication with the believers, is it something that's profitable? Is it edifying? Is it exhorting? Paul is admonishing the elders here. Is it admonishing the things that you discuss with other believers? Verse 21 Solemnly, he continues on to say, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In our Monday night Bible studies, we've been going over the gospel. You know, and what would you have to say of the gospel if you were sharing the gospel with somebody who never heard about God, never, never heard about Jesus, never knew anything about the word of God. What is the basic message of the gospel that you need to share with them? And it's all something that is important to us because as believers, that's our main goal, is sharing the gospel. And I think it's very relevant that the gospel was shared this morning and in, in this passage in talking about repentance. Repentance 
that change of mind that you have, that we had when we first got saved, when we decided we're going to repent of our sin and we're going to, by the power of the Spirit, do our best to refrain from doing those things that are disobedient to God. That is called sin. And also, putting our faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the finished work that he accomplished on the cross, that he, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says he, was, he died, he was buried, and he rose again, and there were many witnesses to see that. And his blood that was shed for us on a cross, if we paid for our sins, the debt of our sins, and we, if we trust in that work, we're saved. And with the, the, um, the what is that? Uh, the, the festival right here. What is that called again? Street the street fair, sorry. With the street fair coming up and the opportunity to go out and hand out tracts and share the gospel, I think that's something that's very important to us, that we should know clearly and exactly what the gospel is and how to share it. Verse 23, or excuse me, verse 22, Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. And as we continue on, And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. As Paul is speaking to these elders, I know that he's speaking to elders, but think about it as if he's speaking to you and he's saying these things. He's making these challenges of what he has done and how you can look at Philippians or 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. I just want to read that real quick because I, I wanted to actually start off with that, but I actually forgot. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. Be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. And it's not to hold himself up, but it's to point to the fact that I'm doing everything I can to follow Christ. And if you see my example and follow it, it's that of Christ. So if you're following my example, essentially, you are following the example of Christ. You are imitating Christ. And when he says, I consider my life I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he says this. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And uh, some of you may have heard this over and over again. But is it a reality for us? For to me, to 
To live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul considers my life of no account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course. Paul understands the purpose, I guess you could say, of life. The purpose for his life that God had planned out for him and a purpose for a believer's life. It's not to get ahead in life. It's not to hoard the treasures of this world because we know that the things of this world only last for a momentary period. But are we looking to finish strong? Can we say this as Paul is saying, that I consider my life of, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself? Is my life not valued more than the will of God? And in verse 25, And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Paul knows that this is it. This is, and I think this is why he can be so candid with them. And sometimes uh, you, can, you think of people and, uh, you know, when you maybe even <laughs> go out to share the gospel, you talk to them and you realize, I'll probably never see this guy again or see this person again. So I'm going to share with them whatever I can, and so be it. And I think maybe that may be an attitude we can take on so that we can have boldness. We can have just the ability to say, you know what? This is all for the Lord. People are lost, and I want to see souls saved. And so with that in mind, understanding the consequence of sin, the judgment that a righteous, holy sinless God has to to do to to dish out to to sinners because of sin because of the offense that sinners have have made to a holy God and in understanding that he says in verse 26 therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now, how can Paul say this? Because he was a man who went out and persecuted those that followed the name of Jesus Christ. And not only did he persecute them, but he killed them. And how can he say this? Well, again, in verse 27, he says, the second time, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Paul, if you read after his conversion, he takes every opportunity he has, every chance he gets to share the gospel, to proclaim, to exhort, to admonish the believers as he's saying that the whole time he was with these Ephesian elders, he was doing everything he can. And if you go on in verse 31, it says, therefore be on alert, alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And so Paul can say without, any, without anything on his conscience 
that he took every opportunity to share and to impart and to give the gospel. And this next few verses, Paul is directing his words to the elders more personally, I feel. Because he says this, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I mean, this is quite a burden on the elders. They have to shepherd the church of God, which was purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, one of the things that I think about as someone who is planning to get married next year is what the Lord says about two husbands, that husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And here, elders are supposed to shepherd the church, remembering, keeping in mind that Christ bought the church with his own precious blood. I mean, the weight of what is being said here, the weight of the, the elders, and I think, uh, to my understanding, we have our, the elders here, uh, Dave and Rod, and reading this verse, shouldn't we be praying for them? Shouldn't we be asking the Lord interceding on their behalf because they have to make decisions. They have to shepherd the flock. And it goes on to talk about in verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. I mean, this is, this is quite a job for the elders. That they have to shepherd the flock to keep them safe from the wolves, it says. From men in, outside, and, but not only outside, inside, who are trying to interrupt the, working, the workings of the Holy Spirit that the, the Holy Spirit is trying to do in the assembly. And this isn't something that is relevant just at that time. This isn't something that just happened at that time in the, in the churches or the assemblies. It's isn't that happening today? I mean, you hear about churches splitting all the time. And it, I mean, it, it, to know, to think about the body of Christ, the church that was bought with the precious blood, Christ, having arguments, having disputes in and amongst themselves. Paul continues on in verse 32 and 30, 33, and he says, and, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul's heart 
I just feel is so big. And he cares for the saints so much. And he talks about how he's in prayer, not ceasing, always, in tears. And this word, when it says in verse 31, I did not cease to admonish each one, each one with tears. I looked up what the word admonish means. And in the Webster's Dictionary, it says to indicate duties or obligations to, to express warning and disapproval. And listen to this, in a gentle, earnest manner, to give friendly, earnest advice or encouragement to. When we admonish others, and I think not just elders, but we as believers, we could admonish people too as well. And when we admonish people, is it in a, in a demeaning, critical way where people are offended by the things that we say? Or is it in a, a gentle way, in an earnest way, in a, in a way where people will receive it and realize that whoever is doing the admonishing is doing it out of love? And in verse 32, when he, he commends them to God. He's entrusting these elders. He's, and I'm sure he's he, all throughout in Acts, as Paul goes, and in his ministry, you see the commending of people, the commending of elders, entrusting to God to care for them. Because as believers, and it's hard, I'm sure some of you, when you try to disciple people, when you try to care for people, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can say. There's only so much time you could spend with them. And so what you can do is Paul, what Paul always talks about, praying for those people that we care about, entrusting them to the Lord, commending them to the Lord, and telling them, you know, every once in a while, you know, we're praying for you. We, 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 we trust that the Lord is going to care for you. And that you will trust in the Lord for all things. Bringing before the Lord everything. In conclusion, as we examine our own lives, as believers, can we say what Paul is saying in this passage? I mean, when you read this passage, Obviously, there's some things that are very directed at elders. There are some things that are said to the elders, and that's pretty straightforward. But I think there's a lot of things in here that we can take for ourselves as believers. One is, I, I kind of put it in order of, number one, the first section is Paul's service. When he talks about how he served the Lord with all humility, with all, with, and with trials and with tears. Is our service to the people around us, if we have trusted Christ, if we repented of our sins, if we've placed our faith in him, is our service that of humility? I mean, not to say, not to say that we have to shed tears for people, but... I mean, 
does that emotion come up where you're so deeply moved by how God is impressing upon you someone or a situation that maybe someone is going through that you, you're basically moved to tears? Paul talks about his future and what's going to happen for him, that he's going to go to Jerusalem. And everywhere he goes, the Holy Spirit has told him he can expect bonds and afflictions. Do we understand, as Paul understood his future, do we understand that our future should be looking to the hope that lies in Christ, making every effort to live a life for him? Follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul said. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Is that how we look at our lives? That Christ is our all in all? That he's the one who's preeminent in our lives? And Paul declares in verse 26, and about how he was innocent of the blood of all men. One day, as believers, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, would we be free? Would our conscience be free from the blood of all men? And we can say that our lives were lived out in a way that showed forth Christ in every way, that our, our communication, the things that we said, our lifestyle, when people looked at us, they could say, there's something different about this person. And actually, I want whatever that person has. And finally, when Paul admonishes and commends these elders, are we discipling and building up other saints? Because that's what he asked us to do. I mean, in Matthew chapter 28, make disciples of all the nations. Is that something that we're taking initiative and we're doing? Are we taking the opportunity not only to be a representative of Christ to unbelievers, but to believers as well, because we all need encouragement. We all need to encourage one another. We all need to be exhorting one another and being exhorted, because let's be honest, it's hard. The things that we go through in life are hard. The things that we see that are going on in, in the world, I mean, it's frustrating to read about the news and all the things that are going on in government, in society, and you're, you want to see a change, but really, what can you do? Well, it starts with our prayer life. It starts with taking those around us and encouraging one another as believers. And so... As I told you the title, I did not shrink. I just wanted to challenge all of you.
Could you say that, as Paul said? I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Because as men, we have a responsibility to, maybe it's not up here, maybe it's not at a pulpit, but we have a responsibility if you have trusted Christ, if you know the love of God. We're not supposed to hide our light. We're supposed to spread salt the earth. And are we, are we t doing that? Discipling others. And it doesn't have to be, you know, there's, there's many different gifts. And we all have, God has given us different gifts to use to build up the assembly. And it's not just for men to declare the whole counsel of God or the, or the purpose of God because in the word, word of God we clearly see the older women are supposed to teach the younger women. And so the, the older women need, and I mean women, men and women in general, we need to know the word of God so that we can say like Paul, I did not shrink. And I wanted to finish by reading Ephesians chapter 4. If you would look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Therefore I... The prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, show, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. May the Lord bless his word. Our dear Heavenly Father, as we think about how Paul gives this challenge, admonition, to the elders from Ephesus. Just ask that as we read from your word, that we would be able to say, I did not shrink from whatever it is in our life, whatever opportunities you give us, whatever your will is in our life, that we would take whatever chance we get to share the gospel, to proclaim the good news to this lost world. Because if we don't, we don't know if they'll ever hear the gospel. And as Paul challenged us, as, he, as we read in Acts about how he understood the purpose of his own life and he was sharing and pouring out his heart and talking about the tears that he shed. We know, Father, that you care 
that much more for us and for those that are lost. And so as we take on and listen to your word, I ask that my words would, would not be what is listened to, but your words. And that as Paul imitated your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we would seek to learn more about him and try to imitate him with the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in the wonderful Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.